Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and I'll be your host for the next two hours. If you're a first-time listener, you need to know what this show is about. This is a call-in talk radio show. We hope that you call us. We don't give hot investment tips or predict where the stock market is going from here. Hot tips aren't a sensible way to invest your money, and nobody knows where the financial markets are going. We do talk about a wide range of topics related to personal finances, investments, and retirement planning. This is the important stuff. Major financial events and decisions you face in your life, birth of a child, death of a loved one, marriage, remarriage, divorce, college costs, retirement, changing jobs, living within your means, managing your debt, buying a home, refinancing, receiving an inheritance, investing, insurance, annuities. Second, you should know a little about me. McNamara Financial Services is a family business. The four of us are certified financial planner practitioners. We manage money for a fee. We provide retirement planning on an hourly basis for a fee to folks who need it. And we figure that's just about everybody. We always try to do what's best for our clients and we're into long-term client relationships. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we might make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just wanted to make sure. So, if you have a question for us, please give us a call at 781-837-4900. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. This South Shore's very own financial talk radio and also sometimes TV show. We are radio recording this show. We're on TV today. Um, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find more information about me and my husband, Kirk Reed, is my co-host today and my and our family's business at McNamaraFinancial.com. If you love the website, you're welcome. That was like, it was like, I had so much fun building that website and it was... Um, I probably spent way too much time on it, but it but it was fun, and I'll you know be prepared to switch it up every once in a while. I'm now an expert on. No, I shouldn't say that. I'm not an expert on You know, GoDaddy makes it pretty easy. A webmaster. Uh, so is this show on TV or just on our website? Um, this good question. Our video recordings are generously aired on MCTV by the lovely folks at MCTV. So you can find us there, and um, I, I think the state, I think the channel depends on whether you have Verizon or Comcast. So mm. I don't, I don't know that. Um, but it will be on MC Marshall Community Television. We are, I've been talking about this for months, but I am going to be following through with this. We are going to be taking clips of our videos, like you know, short, digestible. Uh, segments of our segments. video footage of the show 
and putting them on our website. We've been sort of, yeah, this is like a brainchild of mine and my dad that um, we've been working on this for, we've been like sort of thinking about it for a long time and we had to get all the pieces in place in order to, we need someone to go through the video footage and decide what, you know, clips segmented. Seg- segmented and um, we do have a, we do have some people that help us cut the video footage. The people at MCTV here are great. We have another consultant that helps us. So that was a long-winded answer, Kirk, but we are, right now it's just on MCTV, but we're hoping to be grabbing short one to two minute videos and putting them on the website under like like a Q&A section. Like if someone goes to our website and they have a question about inheriting money, they might find a few clips from today's show. They could watch a quick video and they could, you know, those people sound like they know what they're talking about. I'm going to give them a call and <laughs> that's what I should do with my inherited dollar. So um, stay tuned for that. We are talking about thanks and giving this morning and approaching it from different angles. And hopefully we've answered some questions if you're someone who has inherited or is anticipating inheriting assets. Hopefully we've answered some of your questions with regards to tax implications of inheriting dollars and um, what, you know, what to do with those dollars, though it's really not a blanket answer. And, and, you know, the advice, as all of our advice is tailored to um, your situation. So we would need to know more about your situation before we make a recommendation, but talk to your financial professional if you have questions. Um, and also hopefully, you know, if, if you're of an age where you're planning to leave dollars to someone, hopefully we've answered some questions regarding, you know, ways to think about that or the best ways to implement your, you know, leaving your legacy. That was the intent behind the show. And sort of our last segment here in the next 20 or so minutes will be, um, well, we're going to, we're going to close the loop on, um, circle back. We're going to circle back on positioning assets for a legacy because one thing we didn't touch on was asset protection in the form of long-term care insurance or or, uh, legal planning. And then we're going to just touch on charitable giving. You know, for a lot of people, it's a charitable time of year and that's sort Mm -hmm. of top of mind for people. And uh, so we wanted to touch on that. So, but uh, last segment, we were talking about positioning assets to leave a legacy. And we were focusing on income planning and drawing assets down efficiently, bearing in mind, your wishes and perhaps what you know what's best for you and what's best for the family how those things are different we talked about you know uh, designating beneficiaries what to do what not to do one thing we didn't touch on was asset protection which in our world uh, is sort of the another way of saying planning for um, well not necessarily but what comes to mind when we talk about asset protection is Protecting your assets from a drawdown if someone needs long-term care services, which are which are just very expensive, with the cost of medical care increasing and the cost of custodial care being very um, being very costly, it's a potentially um, large drawdown of assets for people. Um, you know, there's all sorts of statistics out there regarding cost of care, whether it's at home or in uh, assisted living or in nursing home. But you know, on the high end, I think you're talking if someone needs, you know, care in a nursing home, um, on the high end, you could be talking in this area of the world, $15,000 a month. And, you know, so I don't even know if that's the high end. Anymore. Maybe that's not yeah. the high, maybe yeah. that's the average. Yeah. I guess I haven't looked at that cost of care study. If anyone is curious about that, by the way, Jen Worth, 
publishes a cost of care survey every year i believe they update those numbers and you can sort by not only by state but by your region in the state and they break it down by i think private nursing home i think assisted living maybe even cost of home care like you know hourly uh wages for custodial care giver um that's a great source of information but you know it 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 is depending on the amount of care needed and the frequency and the location is potentially a big liability for people if someone uh, needs care later in life with advances in medical technology and, and people living to older ages because of, of medical uh, the advances in the medical field. Um, people are living longer, which is great, but it, it, it has increased the need for um, people needing care as they get older. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I just pulled it up here. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. Yeah, website. They have, yeah. Uh, so Boston area, twenty eighteen. So for a private room, that's the most expensive private room yeah. in a nursing home is is about thirteen thousand. Oh, okay. A month. So maybe on the high end, you're in the thirteen thousand. Yeah, um, that's per Boston month area. But that is um, what is that seven seventy grand a year? And you know, if someone needs care for a period of several years that can add up to be a draw from a portfolio especially if you're paying taxes to get that seven grand a year that's, um did yeah. i do that no yeah. yeah that's wrong it's like one hundred and fifty-eight thousand. oh i was thinking yeah you're right oh yeah. my goodness where's my brain today that's the second mistake i made today <laughs> i hardly ever make mistakes it's especially all, with math. all that turkey oh my goodness it's the turkey <laughs> my brain isn't a hundred percent in it i'm in the holiday spirit I'm, uh, yes, okay, yeah. let me have Trip, another sip of, effect, let me, yeah. let me have another sip of my caffeinated beverage. Yeah. Um, it's a big number. Yeah. Yes, okay, it's a big, yeah, I thought that sounded low, I was like, I was multiplying by five, what is wrong? <gasps> oh my goodness, thanks for being here to keep me honest. Sure. Wow, this would have been uh, a whole different show without you here to, to correct those mistakes. <laughs> but anyway, it's a lot of money, it's potentially a large drawdown on a portfolio, something that we certainly address with our clients, especially those of higher net worth. Um, there are ways that you can attempt to protect your portfolio or at least a significant portion of it um, via insurance planning or legal planning or some some people choose to what's called self-insure or just segment a portion of their assets and uh, earmark it for medical care, long-term care. Um, you know, what's best for you depends on your net worth, your cash flow, your desires, um, you know, but but some people choose to protect their assets. Long-term care insurance is one way to do that. Um, there's not a huge, I, I don't know if I want to use the word interest, but in my experience, there's not a ton of people knocking down the door to purchase long-term care insurance. It is, depending on your age and your health, it is expensive. Um, I think it does serve its purpose in the world, and I think there is a, there is um a group of people for whom it's very appropriate. And generally it's those people that have assets to protect. So in other words, they have a net worth of a significant amount and they don't, but they don't have enough assets to self-insure. In other words, if you have $10 million and you don't need it all to live your life, then you can, you know, self-insure that need. And 150 bucks a year is likely something that you can pay for for several years without, um, much diminishing your net worth if, if you have, if you're of a significant net worth, but it's those people that are sort of in the middle that that um, long-term care insurance serves its purpose. I I don't want to get too much 
uh, I don't want to get too detailed with this. We have done whole separate shows on long-term insurance. It can get very complicated. Um, and there's, there's lots to cover with regards to that, but I just, I do think it's important for people to know that there's not just standalone long-term care anymore. There are hybrid life insurance, long-term care insurance policies that have gained popularity, I think for very good reason. And so for people that want an insurance policy that covers some long-term care expenses, but they also want to be assured that they're not in in quotes wasting their dollars in other words they want a policy that doesn't that gets used in some form or another traditional long-term care if you pass away before using the funds in the policy it's gone unless you pay extra for reimbursement policies or not reimbursement there's another word for it um policies yeah i guess it's reimbursement policies but this the life insurance hybrid policies if you die without using long-term care benefits, there's a death benefit to your name beneficiary. So it's it's, a, it's not a use it or lose it policy. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, again, we we did a whole, we did a show actually a couple months ago with, with Lisa Silva of Gallagher, and she's very knowledgeable in the area of long-term care. And um, check out our podcast for that one, I think. Um, but, you know, people should just know that that's an option. So it actually makes a lot of sense for people that either have life insurance in place with significant cash value and maybe those can just be transferred to a different type of insurance policy or people that have um, you know that 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 want coverage but they they want some assurity as well that the dollars won't be wasted um you know and and again we've done whole separate shows on legal planning for long-term care and asset protection from a legal point of view but just really quickly, if people either don't qualify for the insurance or choose not to purchase the insurance, you can preserve your assets to a point via some legal planning in the form of what are called irrevocable trusts or third-party trusts where you can essentially take a portion of your portfolio and give it away, get it outside of your name, get it outside of your estate, preserve it for the next generation, but, you know five years have to pass before it's off the table from a mass health point of view. But it's just another way that people can, if they don't need, if they know they don't need all of their assets to live on, they have more than enough. Congratulations. Great portion to be in. And they want to preserve some for their children. Legal planning is an option um, not to be taken lightly. Some things certainly to be talked through. Uh, it's a big decision, but is an option and maybe a discussion to be had with your financial. All right. What do we have? 10 minutes. Or I so. I don't know. Um, we want to chat. We've got 10 or 11 minutes left. Under the head of thanks and giving, we wanted to also touch on charitable giving mm-hmm. and um, you know the tax breaks associated with that. Which or, has, or even or even just giving to family members too. Oh, giving, yeah. You know why you're still alive. Fair enough. Take it away. You you did more preparation for this segment than okay. I did. I'm moderately prepared for this segment, but. So you have gifting. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, under charitable gifting, I mean, obviously you can, you can give, you know, make an outright gift to a charity, you know, while you're still alive. Um, you know, in that, you know, that way they get to, you know, the charity gets the money, you know, immediately they can use it as they see fit. Um, plus, you know, you would get, you know, an immediate tax deduction. Um, so that's potentially, you know, yeah, that's potentially, yeah. Uh, assuming it's a qualified charity and all those good things. Yeah. Um, 
you know, another option is you can, you know, put name a charity in, in your will uh, or as a as a beneficiary of an IRA or a partial beneficiary of an IRA yeah. uh, or a trust. Um, yeah. so you, can, you know, name a beneficiary that way. Um, and, you know, but that at, at that point, you know, they wouldn't get the money until you, until, until you passed away, uh, most likely, uh, depending on which which one of those you pick. Um, or and then, you know, you wouldn't get your estate would get the tax um, tax break yeah. uh, versus versus getting it while you're alive. Um, so is it, hold on, is this an appropriate time to talk about the changes in the tax code? And sure, how, sure. So I'm not a tax preparer. I try not to pretend that I am. Um, but the tax, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that went into, that, that passed at the end of, that went into effect this year. Actually, some things were retroactive to the beginning of 17, but. As people prepare their taxes for calendar 18, it will be different than it was in calendar 17 for a variety of reasons. One of them was the change to the standard deduction. So mm -hmm. the standard deduction almost doubled for people. I believe, oh my goodness, I believe the prior standard deduction was like $6,300 per person. Now it's $12,000 per person. So now that the so so your choices with regards to deductions are you either take a standard deduction or you itemize and the people that itemized were the people that had itemized deductions that were greater than the standard deduction if your itemized deductions were less than the standard you would just take the standard mm -hmm. the people that were itemizing deductions were itemizing things like interest on a mortgage um, state income taxes property taxes charitable contributions. These are all examples of things that were itemized deductions. There, it, with the changes um, to the standard deduction and couple that with that, the new limitations on state and local tax deductions or state, the common, your state and local tax deduction wasn't limited. There wasn't a cap on that prior to 18. Now there's a $10,000 cap on the deduction you can take for state income taxes and property taxes combined and local taxes if you have any. So there's a $10,000 cap on that, which means that if your property taxes are $12,000 because you live in a, a, a home that, yeah, that has a value, of, well, it depends on your town and the value of your home, but if your property taxes are $12,000, you can't take that as a deduction anymore. You're limited to 10,000. And also in that case, what are your state income taxes? And now you can't itemize those either because your property taxes are more than the 10. So there are now limits on that. And if you couple that with the fact that um, the standard deduction is now double, fewer people will be itemizing their deductions now. So I think it was something like 40% of people last calendar year itemized their deductions. 2017. 2017. I don't know if that was... I was looking at a statistic. I don't know if that was 16 or 17. I think that was actually 17. A little bit less than half of Americans were itemizing deductions in the recent past, let's call it. Mm -hmm. But because of those limits on state and local tax deduction and because of the new higher standard deduction, which almost doubled, a married couple now will have a $24,000 standard deduction, which is pretty significant. So fewer and fewer people will be itemizing. So where a charitable contribution was previously an itemized deduction, if you're not itemizing anymore, the difference between giving $1,000 to charity and $2,000 to 
charity might be a moot point right. and you're, it, will, it might not move your tax needle at all right. because if you're not itemizing, it doesn't matter, right? So it, the, I love to get into long stories I, I and, wonder, then, and then say long story short, but. I wonder, um, you know, I kind of wonder how that's going to affect charity. I, it, it could potentially affect charities in a negative way yeah. or, 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 I mean, or you could look at it differently in that if someone wants to itemize and, and push their deductions over 24,000, if they're like, let's say their itemized deductions are 23,000 and the standard is 24. If they give another 1500 bucks to charity, they're going to be itemizing and taking a bigger deduction. So it, if you look at it that way, yeah. it could push charitable contributions higher yeah. i'm gonna guess not i'm gonna guess not i'm gonna guess not yeah I, right. I don't think i don't think it will be good for charitable organizations because most well it'll be interesting to see the statistics not that that's the that's not that that's the only driver but you know um right if you're gonna make people... a charitable contribution it's because you're feeling charitable right. hopefully it's not but however you know having said that people of but the significant wealth yeah. you know can, can do that and get the tax break from it Anyway, um, so charitable contributions potentially tax deductible for you. Potentially jack tax deductible. Um, you know, one other thing I put in this section was, you know, qualified charitable distributions from IRAs. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know how long this has been in existence, but... You got uh, five minutes. Okay, so, you know, for somebody that's, you know, 70 and a half or older, and now they are forced to take distributions from their retirement plans... Yeah. There are some people that are fortunate that they don't maybe don't need that money. Yeah. And, you know, so they're forced to take money out, which is going to be taxed. Um, so an alternative is that they could, you know, s instead of taking the money, they can just send it directly from their IRA to a qualified, has to be qualified, yeah. uh, qualified charity. And in doing so, they can, you know, avoid paying the income tax uh, on that money. Uh, and I believe what I saw was you could basically do that up to a hundred thousand dollars per year. Um, okay. You can, you know, per person. Per, uh, I don't think yeah per person or per tax return, but it's okay. You know, it's a fairly fairly sizable yeah. number. Um, yeah. So that's something that you know you can do to avoid taxes and and have the money go to a you know go to a good use. Um, right. And if you know if a charitable organization is in your will or is in your um, wishes posthumously than doing it during your lifetime and avoiding taxes on required distributions if you don't need the money is a good planning tool. Right. You get to enjoy it. You, know, right. you get to see that the charity right. enjoy it. They get to use the money. Yeah, we have some clients that do that. They they we send the proceeds of their required distribution direct to a charity. It has to, I believe it has to be a five hundred one c three charitable organization, and and they get to they get a tax document that uh, that they they do get a tax document that there was a distribution, and it is. It, as a taxpayer, it's your responsibility to also get the corresponding document from the 501c3 that shows the contribution in order to avoid the taxes. It's not the financial custodian's responsibility right. to, um, to to track where your contribution is going and what they're not going to do their due diligence about the 501c3 or not. That's your responsibility as a taxpayer. Um, so just not to confuse anyone, you will get a tax. If you do that, you will get a tax document, but you have you'll have it, the supporting document to offset um, the tax on that. Yeah. One other thought I kind of had as we were talking was, uh, and I know this is again, this is one of your favorites, is you know if you're looking to give some money to maybe a, a younger person, um, you know, opening up a Roth for somebody. 
Yeah. Um, but the the caveat is that they have to have earned income. So you can you can give them the money. I mean, yeah. you you can fund the the Roth for them, but that person has to have had, you know, earned income in that in that given year in order. For, that's the one right. qualification that the IRS uh, has. Right. Um, there has to be some supporting earned income. I have some parents that do that for high school age kids, college age kids, you know, they have a part-time Little side job. job. Yeah. yeah. As Something, long as yeah. they have a, some sort of a part-time job. Where that they're reporting. Fair enough that they're yeah. right. If they're waitressing and making very little money and it's a mostly cash, then right. Different story if they're not reporting. But right. um, yeah. So just make sure to keep their contributions below that. Yeah. But I mean, if you put, yeah, you know, a couple of $500 yeah. into a Roth IRA for somebody that's, you know, 15 years old, I mean, yeah. it's something that's hopefully going to grow for a long, long time. So that's another, you know, another gift option. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that came up when I was, you know, thinking about this was, you know, helping somebody with college, um, you know, with college being so expensive, uh, you know, kids are struggling to pay for it. And maybe, maybe even the parents are struggling. And so if maybe for a grandparent and looking, you know, trying to help out your grandchild with college, um, and there's a couple things, you know, a couple things about that, you know, so if you, if you give the money right out, you know, outright to the kid, then you have to worry about gift taxes and generation skipping gift taxes. So there are some right some complications with that right um another option is you can pay the college directly right and then you don't have to worry about the gift you don't tax to, you don't right. have to worry about the gift tax point of view um but i believe that can that can affect aid it doesn't uh, negatively affect it, it, it whether can, you give it to the, them directly or whether you give it to the school it potentially it does negatively affect financial aid for the following right. two two years if they're filling out the fafsa for the following two years right but um, yes, you can avoid gift taxes if you give if a grant if a grandparent gives it directly to the school to the college, right? You avoid, avoid the gift taxes, right? but you can yeah. you can negatively impact their aid package, right? Um, potentially, right? Um, you know, another option is you know putting money into a five twenty nine, you know, in advance of somebody going to school, mm-hmm. you know, a great young grandchild, or um, you know, so you can, that's another option. Uh, or another option is wait until they graduate. And then help them pay off their loans, and that way you can kind of avoid avoid the gift. I mean, well, you still have the gift tax issue, but you can avoid, you know, not we're not uh, impacting their aid uh, eligibility um, if you help them after Fair after enough. the fact. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully their the, loans were deferred and they didn't have much, yeah much interest. Well, you know, you know, yeah. the year that as soon yeah. as they graduate, as soon as yeah. they're out of college, they don't have to worry about FAFSAs and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, that's another option is just waiting until they're done. Yeah. Um, that all you have? That's perfect. College. That yeah. is perfect timing because we should probably wrap up. Okay. Um, but I hope uh, this is. I hope this was helpful for people as they think about uh, positioning assets to either gift to family members or positioning assets to leave a legacy after death, and also for people that have uh, inherited monies and are, are trying to think about best use the money. But I don't know. We thought it would be cute to time that. You know, answers to those type of questions with Thanksgiving, given it's a, a time of year to be thankful and think about giving. So that was our Thanks and Giving Show uh, 2018. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. That was, I was joined today by my husband, Kirk Reed. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of the holiday weekend. And if you need to find information about us, we can. Uh, you can find us at McNamaraFinancial.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.